0: This morning we have a special guest speaker. Uh, His name is Mark Gungor. He is the senior pastor at Celebration Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, Whoa! is that for Green Bay or for football? Or maybe Mark, we'll see in a minute. Here's one thing, I know we're gonna get out on time because the game starts at 12.05 and Mark wants to see the game. Um, I, I just wanna just kinda remove a stigma here that there are those people who are married that have all kinds of problems and those are the people that need lots of help and lots of counseling and then there's those people who have no problems in their marriage and they don't need anything and there's the us and them. If you are married, you need help every single day of your life and you know sometimes when we look at our marriage, things just get kind of serious and it feels heavy and today we want to remove some of that and we want to be able to laugh a little bit. We want to have A little bit of fun and learn about ourselves and how God is calling us to love one another and to interact with one another. And so Mark is has a ministry called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, and he's going to be back out here in October to do a Friday night, Saturday morning conference here at Calvary Church. But we thought, if you don't know him, what a great opportunity to meet him, to hear about him and his ministry. And so I would love for you to give a big round of applause for our speaker this morning, Mark Gungor.
1: morning. It's good to be here. I am from Green Bay. Yes. And people from Green Bay like coming to California in January. It's not freezing outside. It's wonderful. Looking forward to coming to uh, back here in October for our Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage conference. You'll enjoy this. Guys, this is a man-friendly marriage conference. Yes, this is not one of these conferences that beats up on men for not being like women. (laughs) And you women egg this on. All you got to do is ask most women to describe their ideal men. Listen to them. They will describe another woman. (laughs) Someone who's sensitive, likes to go shopping, la, 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 la. They describe their favorite girlfriends. But men make... Terrible girlfriends. We can, however, make great men. Give me an amen. There you go. So you're like, And you single people, you should come to this too. Seriously. You need to learn about crazy before you get there. <laughs> this is not one of these marriage conferences where everybody sits around and cow eyes each other. You'll feel perfectly fine there. Uh, and really, you should get the information. It'll be very, very helpful to you. And if you have a spouse that won't come with you, come without him who cares we'll have a great time together looking at this thing uh, called marriage i uh... my wife and i've been married for forty one years and uh... uh yes <laughs> Sometimes time you get an applause for not failing <laughs> um, We have two children and six glorious little grandchildren. How many of you have grandchildren? Yes, isn't that one of the most fabulous experiences in life? It truly is. It is God's reward for not killing your children. (laughs) Grandparents and grandchildren share a common bond because we share a common enemy. But as a grandparent now, you know, you, you read these stories to these little chubby faced toddlers and stuff like that. And, and uh, they have these, you know, they're illustrated books and very simple storylines and stuff. I said, you know, I want to write a, sto- a book like this. And I did. Uh, now, this is not a book for children. You'll traumatize your children <laughs> if you get this for them. Uh, this is a book for adults, but it's written like for children. It's just, it's that big, Illustrated, very simple stories. Guys I like it. It's got pictures. And uh, and it's just to the point, quite frankly. A lot of men just get to the point, right, guys? Most of these marriage books they hand you are like, that thick! And you know, here, read this. No! But uh, this is a lot easier and uh, you'll enjoy it. It's called The Beatitudes of Marriage. That's what I want to talk about to you this morning. Now, it's a play off of words. Jesus. On his uh, famous sermon on the mount, gave his nine beatitudes. Beatitude is a fancy word for blessing, you know. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the me Call us some. Well, I gave my nine beatitudes of message uh, on marriage, but it's a play off of words. It's not a blessing. It's a play off the word beatitude. These are be attitudes. Attitudes you should be okay if you're going to stay successfully married. And we're going to go through this, see how we do this morning. Our very first, and by the way, whether you're married or single, this will be helpful to you. These are, these are basic concepts just to succeed in life in general. Okay, now I know you guys have been doing a series on overcoming, being overcomers. The Bible says, to him who overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. All right? You can't get to heaven unless you're an overcomer. You can't be an overcomer if you don't have something to overcome. And that's why only married people will get to heaven, (laughs) because we are truly overcomers. (laughs) I'm just teasing. All right. So now, let's take a look at these nine Beatitudes. Number one, be nice. Everybody say be nice. (laughs) Be nice. You can't be nice. There's something wrong with us today. We think because we're married, I don't have to be nice. I'm married. And for some bizarre reason, people who normally would behave themselves and be very kind to others tend to be very nasty and very direct and harsh in their personal relationship, which is very sad. Some of the sweetest people in the world in church this morning, singing and praising the Lord until we get you home. Wah! That's when the demons come out. And we tend to get very nasty with each other and we think what's perfectly justified. But it is not justified. Your mama was right. If you don't have something good to say, don't say it. But we bought into some very bad advice in our culture. Popped up about 40, 50 years ago. I don't know who the idiot was who came up with this, but uh, I'm sure you've all heard this advice. And it goes like this. In marriage, the most important thing is that you're honest with how you feel. Let's be honest with your feelings. and us say your feelings. So everybody goes home and emotionally vomits all over each other. Because they think it's healthy. It's positive. It's a good thing. No, it's not. It's destructive. Stop. With the love of God. People ask me all the time, how have you been married for 41 years? I always say it's because we're not honest with how we feel. I'm sure there's mornings my wife wakes up, looks at me, and feels like she's been blessed by God. (laughs) I'm certain there's mornings she wakes up, looks at me, and feels like she married the spawn of hell. (laughs) A simple good morning will suffice. Don't need to hear that. You don't need to be saying everything that comes into your head. It is destructive. Who does that? Only crazy people do that. No other area of life would be so incomprehensibly, immeasurably dumb. Can you imagine people tomorrow morning deciding to go to work based on how they feel? Calling their boss and say, listen, boss, I'd, I'd really love to come to work today. I really would. But uh, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> and I feel you're a moron. <laughs> Those may be true statements, but you don't say them. For heaven's sakes. Now, I get it. Every couple needs to talk through their issues and blah, 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 blah. But you can behave yourselves. Don't be so puke and mean. Marriage is not a license to not live out your faith. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's amazing how well we can live out our faith in here. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then at home, we're like a bunch of little pagans. (laughs) We need to stop. Behave yourself. You don't always have to say everything you're thinking Or feeling, particularly when you know it's going to be mean and harsh, but everybody's convinced they have the right to do it. They come to me, Pastor, what happens if my husband does such and such? Implying that, you know, it's okay for her to react. I said, no, it'd be nice. Or what if my mother in law does such and such? It'd be nice. You don't know my mother in law. (laughs) Seriously, you couldn't tell this before you married into crazy? Behave yourselves, be nice. And sadly, we've become a culture that is obsessed with how we feel. We used to be a country of people that our actions defined us. Not so anymore. Our feelings define us. It's all about the feelings. How do we feel? How to feel. I can't help by the way I am because it's the way I feel. And it's destroying us. Our feelings don't define us. Good night. Listen to me, the most successful people sitting in this room right now, and I promise you there's a bunch of them, highly successful people in life, these are the people who never ask themselves how they feel. Because if you do it, it's the key to failure. Anybody doesn't ask themselves, gee, do I feel like working 18 hours a day to build a business? Nobody feels like that. Anybody go to school? You ever feel like studying? You know who asks themselves if they feel like studying? All the people who flunked out of school. <laughs> <laughs> These musicians up here playing skillfully, weren't they fabulous? Doing the thing everybody thinks, oh, I wish I could play like that. No, you doubt. Because you wouldn't want to do what they do, which is hours upon hours of mind numbing, brain stifling drills. <laughs> <laughs> it's why musicians are so odd normal people would never do that but they do it they become very skillful you know who quit being successful in this area of life all of you who asked yourself if you felt like practicing no you ask yourself your feelings will be the undoing of it. we have to stop I'm telling you this will unravel our country We have to get a clue and stop living by how we feel. Certainly as people of faith. Because God's word defines who we are. God's word defines how we live our lives. Not our feelings. Our feelings will not be a positive thing. Sometimes you feel good. Sometimes you don't. Who cares? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Who cares? Quit letting it define you. Be nice. Again, I know you have your issues and you have to talk and you got to fight, so I'm I'm all for fighting. Just fight fair. Don't be mean. Number two, if you're going to have a successful marriage or relationship with anybody, you have to be content. Be content. You need to be happy. And you young single girls, for the love of heaven, do you really think some man is going to make you happy? Yes, pastor, I do. Stop smoking drugs for heaven's sakes. <laughs> You're supposed to be happy in the first place. Somebody say amen. a old man's going to make you happy for the love of heaven. There's not a man on earth designed to meet all the emotional needs of a woman. And they're just not there. And I hate these stupid comments. Oh, a man should meet all the emotional needs of his wife. Are you crazy? No, man. No one of these girls sticks straws in the poor guy's brain and... <laughs> He's going... Aah! What am I supposed to do, pastor? Get a life. Get some friends involved in the church, for heaven's sakes. You're supposed to be happy in the first place. Listen to me. If you are an empty, lonely, miserable soul... For the love of heaven, stay single. Because <laughs> a lonely, empty, miserable soul that marries another lonely, empty, miserable soul just makes a marriage of two lonely, empty, miserable souls. Supposed to be happy in the first place. Don't always think you can't be happy unless something changes. I'm talking to you married people. I can't be married to happy because he does such and such. I can't be married because she does not seriously. We're supposed to be happy no matter what our circumstances because our joy comes from God, not dependent on somebody else. Don't live in the world of I'd rather be. Oh, if I just had a nicer car, I could be happier. If I just had a nicer house, I could be happier. I hadn't married that idiot, married the other idiot. I'd be so happy. <laughs> Stop. We're supposed to be happy people. Even when things go wrong, James wrote, he says, count it pure joy when your life stinks. Isn't that what he said? It, it implies a party. Calling all your friends, come over, we're gonna party. Really, what are <laughs> <My life sucks. laughs> why are we celebrating? My life sucks. Why are we celebrating? Because it doesn't matter. Quit getting so obsessed that everything doesn't go exactly the way you want. Relax. I tell my church all the time, relax. Freaking out about everything. Enjoy life. Don't let life suck the life out of you. I always tell them, enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. (laughs) So pastor, how will I know? When you get to the end. (laughs) Oops, this was the wrong turn. (laughs) Let's go another way. That light at the end of the tunnel could be another train coming at you. (laughs) Just relax. Enjoy your life. Life is too short to be constantly be upset. Paul has this very famous verse he wrote in Philippians. He says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we often quote that as a conquering victory verse. It's really not. There's plenty of conquering victory verses if you need them. If you want to overcome. But the context of that verse is, I can be happy when my life stinks. Because just before, he says, I've learned the secret. Have you learned the secret this morning? He said, I have learned the secret. No matter whether I'm hungry or I'm full. Whether I have a lot or I have nothing. I've learned the secret to be content. No matter what my circumstances and his very next words are. Because I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. Don't ever think your circumstances have to be in a certain way for you to be happy. If you always need something else to change before you can be happy, you will be a miserable, unhappy person and a victim all your life. Don't think in those terms. Here's an important one. Not just be nice, be connected or or content, but be connected. Get some friends. You marry people. Get some friends. So we have friends. I got my friends and he has his friends. No, no, no. That's the problem. We all have dysfunctional, crazy people that are our friends because they think like us. I'm talking about couples' friends. If you don't routinely, as a couple, get together with other couples, you will struggle. Now, I know in Western culture in America and us, marriage is our business, our business. Nobody should know our business. No wonder you're so miserable. For heaven's sakes, marriage was never designed to be two people on an island. If it's just you and your spouse on an island, you will turn into cannibals and you'll eat each other. <laughs> Get off of the island. Of course, we're Christians and we love to live phony expressions. As we come to church, we always have to praise of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You might come to church yelling and screaming at each other, trying to cast the demons out of your kids in the back seat. Shut up, that. And you are walking to church, how you doing? Praise the Lord. I, mean, I tell the people in my church, don't you lie to me. If you're coming in here miserable and I tell you how you doing, you better say, I'm miserable. Well, I'm okay, but my husband's possessed. Don't play this stupid game Christians are so famous for. There'll be, mil- there, not millions, but there'll be thousands of Christians all over America today, I promise you, in churches, who will find out that Bobby and Susie are getting a divorce. And you know what everybody's response will be? I didn't know they were having a problem. You know why? Because we play the stupid little game. Nobody should know. Nobody can know our, our, our stuff. You live like that, you're going to be miserable. You need to get together with other couples and talk out you're crazy. You do. First of all, you find out they're as crazy as you do. And they have answers maybe you haven't seen. You need to talk it out. You're going to talk it out anyway. You're eventually going to be talking it out to your pastor or to some counselor who's charging you $300 an hour. (laughs) Get connected. Don't try and do this on your own. That's the beauty about being plugged into a church. We're supposed to be doing life together. It's not supposed to be just us all by ourselves. Nobody should know our business. Here's an important one. Be prepared. Life is hard. It's really, 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 really hard. Has anybody noticed this? The good news is we die. Man, I hear people say, I believe heaven's here on earth. Really? Oh, it's going to be awful to be you. This is heaven. This is your version of heaven. This is awful. This is hard. That's why you single people, for the love of heaven. When you're dating somebody, look for someone of character who can do life with you. Don't get caught up in how cute they are. Character will last you a lifetime. Sexy has a shelf life. <laughs> it does. And some of us have hit our expiration dates, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Look, someone you can do life with, cause life is hard. Now, there's two versions of hard. Version number one, life is unpredictable. Some years ago, my wife was going through chemotherapy for cancer, and she was so sick, they'd given her way too many drugs. It almost killed her. She was in the ICU and emergency, all this stuff. Finally, from days, they stabilized her and finally sent her home on Saturday. She was just all drugged up, just like... "Ah, ah, ah." So I put her to bed Saturday night and just was like... Just got real quiet and went to bed. And the next morning, I got up real quietly. Got to go to church. I got to preach. I I don't want, you know, I look at her. She's still just uh, And I just want to be quiet. Give her some peace. So I go, I sneak in. I go to the bathroom and I close the door and I go back in the other room, close the door. I'm sitting on the can. All right. Meditating. Well, at that same time, I had a younger brother who was living with us. His wife had kicked him out of the house. He deserved it. And we're Latinos, and Latinos always live with family. You can't escape family. That's why it's so hard for us to fill out those employment forms. Nearest relative, not living with you. (laughs) They all live with me. How am I supposed to fill this out? Well, he's living with us and he's all week long. He's getting more and more depressed because his life is terrible. Well, I got my own problems. My wife's really sick. I'm not paying attention to him. He spirals out of control. He goes days without sleep. Finally, in the middle of the night, he has this manic break with reality. He comes up the steps, walks into the kitchen and starts yelling at me and threatens to kill me. The only problem is I'm not in the kitchen. I'm sitting on the can. I don't hear anything. My wife wakes up and she hears him threatening to kill me. She thinks I'm in there. He's threatening to kill me. And, and so she freaks out. She grabs the phone calls 911. Calls the cops. He's got to come. He's gonna threaten. threat. He's threatening to kill my husband. So she's sitting there, you know, just waiting for... All of a sudden, I come walking out of the can. She goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> I live here. <laughs> I thought you were in the... Kitchen, your brother's threatening to kill you. Well, see, I think she's hallucinating because of all the drugs. You know. Blah, blah, blah. Well, she, she said, I called the police. I, oh, why'd you do that? So, so all of a sudden, the cops pull up, and we run out. Well, I put on some pants, and we ran out the side. And the cop looks at me and says, "Sir, is someone trying to hurt you?" And I look at the cop, and I look at my wife, and I look at the cop. Now, you know that look your wife can give you, that I'm going to kill you look? You should see that look when you're trying to tell a cop right in front of her that she's crazy. This is a very bad look. And I say, look, man, she's in all kinds of drugs. And all of a sudden, cop cars come zooming in front of her. Little lights are gone. They jump out. They've got their weapons pulled They're surrounding the house. He says, he just called in. He threatened to blow up the building. My wife looks at me and says, I told you. <laughs> but now all I'm thinking is, oh, good Lord, what do the neighbors think? It's Sunday morning at the pastor's house. There's cop cars everywhere. Police are running the place with guns. I could picture the old couple across the street looking through their curtains going, I knew they had a crack house in there. There's something wrong with that building." <laughs> Finally, they got him and He's doing much better. What did we do? We laughed. We just laughed. It's another day in our house. People always freak out when things don't go right. Ah, really? What planet do you live on? Things always go wrong. It's called life. Just roll with it. Life is unpredictable. Version number two of hard is sometimes life is predictable. Now this tends to drive the female version among us crazy because nothing is more frustrating or irritating to a woman than to have to keep revisiting the same issues with a man over and over and over again. It drives them crazy. And I don't know why because everything in a woman's life is cyclical. She handles it fine. God even gave you your own monthly cyclicals. But when it comes to a man, it drives him nuts. He me, Pastor, why do I have to keep visiting the same thing over and over again? I say, because he's still breathing. Just hang in there, he's got to go eventually. Just hang in there. I love these interviews I read of couples who've been married 75 years. They say, when did you guys work out your differences? And they say, we never worked out anything. She still drives me crazy. Still arguing the same things they argued over 75 years ago. You just revisit the issues. You come, you deal with it, and just when you think it's fine, she'll be coming round the mountain. When she comes, here it comes again! And then you just deal with it, you adjust it, and then it comes, she'll be coming round the mountain. It is what it is! Relax. Be prepared. Life is hard. Here's an important one. Be proactive. Now, this is a problem today because people have lost the connection between what they do and what they get in life. They're convinced the reason their life is bad is because of somebody else's fault, some magical force out there. They don't know what it is. We are delusional in America today. Listen to me. The Bible says God is not mocked. You will reap what you sow. If your life stinks, it is undoubtedly because you are doing stinking things. It's just that simple. Now, let's face it. We live in a culture today that's very broken, and a lot of people don't know how to do things right. That's the purpose of the church. That's why you're supposed to come and get involved and not just sit for an hour and run, but get involved so we can show you how to do it. We'll show you what to do so you can succeed. But you've got to be proactive. Things happen to you because of what you're doing. It's quite that simple. I know people hate that. You're saying it's my fault. It's not about fault. It's just it is what it is. We all reap what we sow. Here's an important one. Be clear. Be clear. Habla ingles. No entendi que lo dijiste. You have to speak clearly to someone. Now here's the problem. In every relationship, there's always one who's way more emotive and emotional than the other one. Usually the woman, but not always. Guess who's the emotional one in my family? Now here's the problem with whoever is the most emotive person. They always think they're being clear when nobody has any idea what they're talking about. Because they're so in tune with their emotions. And how can you not tell what I'm feeling? Are you mad? You know I'm mad. I told you. When would you tell me that? Well, I remember this morning when we were talking? And I went, ah. <laughs> I thought you had gas. <laughs> your little sigh, your little rolling of the eye, your little flip of the hair is not communicating. You have to be clear. Now, because this tends to be a female problem, I want to give you ladies some advice. How you can get a man to do what you want him to do. You might want to write this down. This alone was worth the hassle of coming to church this morning. Even if you yelled on the way in. How to get a man to do what you want him to do. Number one, ask for what you want. Well, if he really loved me, he'd know what I want. <laughs> no! Men do not have ESP. We have ESPN. (laughs) Number two, you have to ask more than once. Asking a man to do something once is like never having asked him to do it at all. Why is that? Why? Because we're men and we're in man mode. We just walk around. And suddenly his wife says, honey, will you do such and such for me? And his left brain says to his right brain, you hear something? (laughs) Right brain goes, no. Just say it again ask again. Okay, you guys. Oh, no, no, that's nagging. No, 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 no. Asking more than once is not nagging. Nagging kicks in when you add an attitude to the request. Which brings us to number 3, don't insult the man. Insult is not a motivator to men. It may be to women because they don't want to be, oh, I don't want to feel someone to feel bad. Yeah, you know, but men, what do we care? What's the matter with you? Can't you pick up the laundry? Nope. (laughs) I wish I could. I cannot do it. Now I know what some of you spiritual girls are thinking. No, no, Pastor, if I had a godly man, a godly man would not have these problems. A godly man. You mean a man like God? Well, let's talk about that for just a minute. Forget about your husband. Let's talk about you and God. Now, if you want something from God, what's the first thing you have to do? You have to ask for what you want. Even though Jesus said, God, unlike your husband, knows what you want before you ask him. But if you don't ask him, you ain't getting jack squat out of God. What else did Jesus teach us? You need to ask more than... Yeah, it proves God's a man right there. <laughs> Jesus said, ask. Keep on asking. Knock. Keep on knocking. Why is that? Why is that? Who cares? Why do you always ask why? And number three, you don't insult God when he doesn't move according to your timetable. Hey... Apparently, your husband's more godly than you thought. (laughs) Here's an important one. Be doers of the word. Just hearing the right thing to do is not going to help you. I don't have time for that one. Get the book. Be patient. don't really have time for that one either, except to say this. Be patient. (laughs) Marriage is a dance that's perfected over time. It just takes time. Some of you just bail too soon. It takes a long time. Some of the happiest people in the world in their marriages at, tom- at one time were incomprehensibly miserable. Studies show it. It's just amazing how unhappy they were at one time. But they pushed through it. push through it. Just be patient. It's the dance perfected over You ever go to a wedding and everybody's doing the slow dancing and you, you see the young people dance. They lock onto each other and waddle like a couple of penguins. Because they're clueless. They haven't th- any idea how to dance. Their waddling's not even in time to the music. They just waddle. That's, that's it. And then you look at the old people. You watch them dance? How they sail around the room and twirl. And stuff. Ooh, how do they do that? Because they've been doing it for a while. They've learned each other's moves. All right? Be patient, ladies. You can eventually get a man where you want him. That's the good news. The bad news is then He dies.
0: took so long.
1: And then finally, if you're going to be successfully married, you have to learn to be dead. Be dead. What does that mean? Listen, as Christians, you can't possibly read the New Testament and not come away with a sense that God wants to kill you. Not the physical you, but the selfish part of you. How many times do we read, pick up your cross, lay down your life, crucified with Christ? God wants to kill you. And there is no more perfect institution designed to kill you than marriage. <laughs> because you cannot do it and stay selfish. It's impossible. And all marriages end for only one reason, and one reason only. I know, well, this happened, that no, 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 no. Only one reason. Somebody gets selfish. At some point, we need to, as Christians, learn to die to ourselves. And here's the crazy thing. As much as I will encourage you with my materials, how to live a more successful life, if you come to the conference, I'll show you how you can have a more successful marriage. As you plug into your church and your pastors, they'll show you from God's word how you can live a more blessed life. At the end of the day, you have to understand something. And I think we as Christians fail to do this because we talk so much about doing things right. At the end of the day, you don't get everything you want. God doesn't even want you to get everything you want. Oh, that's horrible. No, it is what it is. You have children. Is it good for them to get everything they want? They would tell you, oh, yes. But it's not. It's not even good for you to get. At some point, you have to learn to let go and to let God. Do I believe God wants you blessed? Yes. Do I believe you can have a fabulous marriage? Yes. Do I believe you'll get everything you want and live in a state of unending gleeful bliss? No. Because even God doesn't want you to get everything you want. You need to learn to die to yourself. Do you know why we're supposed to die to ourselves? Because dead people are very easy to get along with. They are. You can insult them. They never say anything. Poke them with a stick. They never hit you back. Very nice people, dead people. You know, Jesus gave us a parable. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it will die, let go, it'll climb out of the dirt and into the sunshine. Boy, if that doesn't describe a lot of people today, even Christian people, they're buried, it's dark, it's cold, I can't move Pastor. Pastor, I don't know what to do. It's dark in here. (coughs) I keep breathing dirt. (coughs) What do I do, Pastor? What do I do? Die already. (laughs) Because if you will just learn to let go and let God, new life will burst out of you. And you'll climb into the sunshine of his glorious grace. It's painful to die. Nobody likes it. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. But you can't have one without the other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness. Thank you for this great church and these wonderful people. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, there's people here this morning, single people, divorced people, people really struggling. And while we can hear these things and laugh at them, the truth is it's hard. It's really hard. But help us to learn your truth. Help us to get plugged in so we can understand how to succeed. And, Lord, at the end, help us to realize at some point we need to let go, let God, so that we can climb out of the dirt and into the sunshine of your glorious grace and live the kind of lives that other people around us will say, Wow, how do you do that? I want to be like you. And that will give us the opportunity to share the good news of your son with them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you, and go Green Bay Packers.